We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2022 Fantasy Football Rookie Rankings, not necessarily for Dynasty Leagues, but where these guys are going in actual redraft leagues, DraftKings Best Ball Leagues, which they're on the table right now. If you want to get full projections for free, customize them as your own. Make your own rankings. Head on over to runthesims.com right now. All you need is an email address. You punch that in and boom, you have full access to the season-long NFL projections. Obviously, for daily fantasy and betting, that's going to cost you. But hey, if you're here just to make some rankings, easy stuff. Runthesims.com. Jake Seeley from theathletic.com is back on the show. feel like we're kicking off fantasy football season for me. Every year, I push it a little bit more, push it a little bit more, and now we're at the end of May, so we might as well talk some rookies and how this actually impacted everything. I wanted to do this show like the day after the NFL draft, and I was like, yeah, probably <laughs> best to let it gestate just a little bit before we jump into this and see how it actually plays out, because there's real hot takes the day after. I feel like two weeks after, we have an idea of where these guys are going to go in fantasy drafts and what the actual positions on the teams are going to be. Yeah, you're not wrong, and I will say this, too. If you are the type of people who don't, like, wait, there's a very nice ebb and flow with the rookies. Is as soon as the draft is over, as you're talking about, as everybody has these hot takes, the rookies, I mean, they fly up the draft boards if you're doing best ball on any site or if you're drafting way too early. So wait. Like, yeah, that's where you take a lot of the veterans, let everybody overdraft the rookies, and then wait a little bit, and then it usually swings back around once we get the camps of, like, oh, he's running with the third team or he's, you know, getting the second reps on quarterback. Like, that's when you get back into the rookies. So that every single year, that's a good lesson to learn there. Well, let's go with Brees Hall. He tends to be the highest ranked of all of the rookies right now. ADP so far in 2022, number 60 overall. Are we? Sh- I know they drafted him highly, but we've seen this happen a bunch of times where the second round running back pick isn't necessarily the bell cow back. It's not like they didn't just spend a pick on a running back last year. Everyone's really, like, really fired up for this Jets offense. 
Doesn't that seem really high? Or is this like, hey, if the job becomes his, this is a supreme value at pick number 60? Because it feels like it should be way later than that. For example, guys that are currently going behind him at running back, like Travis Etienne, Josh Jacobs is going behind him at the moment. Uh, Elijah Mitchell is going behind him at the moment. Like, it feels like he should be behind those guys. So I actually differ a little bit. I do have Elijah Mitchell in front of him. I actually have Brees Hall inside my top 20 because – there's a couple of reasons and we just I talked about the overvaluing of rookies but that being said and you, now you know this back as we talked about last year you're coming from somebody who's a huge Michael Carter fan however I think we're looking at very much not the Broncos not what people are hoping could be a 50-50 split or anything like that where they're both inside the top 25 I think we're potentially looking at the Arizona Cardinals and that Michael Carter falls into the Chase Edmonds role, which is he finishes an RB3. It's going to be very much up and down, but Brees Hall is a three-down potential running back and that even if he loses most of the passing game work to Michael Carter, it's still going to be 15 to 20 touches a week for Brees Hall because here's the telling thing is it's not just the fact that they traded up for him. Like I, I know this might sound crazy to some people, but I would have preferred if they jumped 12 spots than two because two tells me you moved two spots because you were scared that you were going to get them two spots later with the Giants on the board. The Giants were taking them. So you were that terrified that somebody was going to jump up to get Brees Hall. They wanted Brees Hall. You don't move two spots just to get a running back like Brees Hall and be like, uh, you know, it's not a big deal. So I think he's going to be very much like James Conner was last year and that Chase Edmonds is the Michael Carter for a good comparison between the two. And I like the offensive line. So I'm looking right now. I have him inside my top 20, and I would take him over a split of Aaron Jones, who I think seeds more to A.J. Dillon ahead of Ezekiel Elliott at this point, but as you mentioned, behind Elijah Mitchell, behind Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, and those likes. You'd take him over Aaron Jones right now? That seems crazy. Aaron Jones is too much touchdown reliance, and I think he's going to lose more of that to A.J. Dillon in year two. I could be wrong, but I think we're that I think that backfield is going to turn more into a 50-50 split than what we've seen so far. I think they've realized that Aaron Jones is a great talent on his touches, as you and I have talked for years when everybody yells at me about Aaron Jones being too low in my ranks. And for the one year, he was. But again, that came off of how many rushing touchdowns. If he loses that work even more, which he already was last year, and this is now a 50-50 split. Now, granted, if it's a 65-35 split, Aaron Jones is still getting all that work. I'm wrong. But I just feel like they're moving more and more towards let's get A.J. Dillon more and more involved. I can see that, but we also have to couple with the fact that Devontae Adams is gone and how does that adjust the Packers offense like they're not running out luminaries at wide receiver anymore like you might see more dual backfields potentially or even Aaron Jones split out wide as the better receiving back of the two and A.J. Dillon might eat into the overall rushing share that Aaron Jones has and if it's if he's the goal line back and Aaron Jones isn't that's a real problem I agree with you but if all of a sudden we're seeing 80 targets for Aaron Jones that could be a bit of a different story. (laughs) Sure, and but that's where I'm going to lean towards. There's a lot of ifs, and it could, uh, people can argue back. Again, yeah, but, this but is, is way is, early. Is there no ifs with the Jets' backfield too? That's what I was just about to say. <laughs> I was like to say, like, I, like that's a lot of ifs, and I think there are ifs with Brees Hall, but I think there are fewer ifs. And I think if you look at the Jets' offensive line, that's been steadily improving, and they, you know, should be healthy. Should be as of right now, heading into this year. Again, this is my valuation of what they've done and what they're telling us is that Brees Hall is the 70% role. I poured one out for Michael Carter immediately. I would love Michael Carter to have been 
a top 10 running back having that backfield to his lead. But I think they're telling us this is pushing towards the Arizona Cardinals split. And the Arizona Cardinals split puts Brees Hall in the top 20 and destroys Michael Carter, unfortunately. So the other site that does best ball, I mean, there's a bunch of sites that, that do best ball. So it's like number 60 on DraftKings right now, number 45 pick overall in other places. That's That's getting up there, man. Uh, but I think that's where he deserves to be, assuming my take. Again, if you're off on it, and to be honest with you, I will agree with one thing. If people are on the same page as me, and Brees Hall is going 40 to 45, and people are starting to get off of Aaron Jones, and now Aaron Jones is going 50 to 60, the value for drafting is with Aaron Jones, because you're essentially buying Brees Hall not too far from his peak. So that's where, you know, our takes and what we're talking about right here, you might be right, I might be right, but either way, you still play the draft differently necessarily than like how we're taking our takes here. Oh, sure. Aaron Jones is going to pick number 20 right now. So it's still half the picks of where you would need to actually select them. I'm just thinking about compared to other running backs. Like J.K. Dobbins is still getting pushed up, but he's behind Brees Hall. David Montgomery is behind Brees Hall. It's the Josh Jacobs one that really stands out to me for someone who got so involved in the passing game a year ago. And yes, I realize that there's a brand new coaching staff, a brand new offense coming into Las Vegas, but that still seems super low to me. See, and you say the brand new and the brand new player who's going to absorb a lot, but where I'll agree with you is that brand new coaching staff, it seems the the Las Vegas Raiders also already discovered this last year once Gruden was gone. Gruden and the Drake thing kind of felt like he wanted to make the Drake happen. And once Gruden was gone, we kind of saw Jacobs mold back into that bell cow running back. So I'm with you. I think Jacobs versus Brees Hall is a fine debate. And more often than not, because of the value right there, as you just mentioned, like just take Jacobs. I can see it. So I'm looking at Run the Sims, the projection builder right now. So I know that you do yours as well. For the Jets, we have Brees Hall in at a 52% rushing market share. That puts Michael Carter down at 27%, Zach Wilson at 11%, and then Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, P. Ryan for the moment. They're at like 2-3% because you know, if someone gets hurt, they're going to get carries. It factors that sort of thing in. Do you think 52% of the rushing attempts is a good spot for Hall, or is that just way too low for you? I don't even think it's way too low. I think it's just maybe slightly low. I mean, there's not a lot of running backs that do get into the 60 and 70% rushing share when you talk about when you talk about other touches, potential missed games, potential backups, like whatever it might be. Uh, I think 52, a little bit low, but I don't think it's egregious by any stretch of the imagination. That also puts them at an 8% target rate on the Jets. Uh, what do we have for the touchdown differential? Nah, 52% rushing touchdown rate for Brees Hall, 28% for Michael Carter. Maybe that, I mean, that's where the argument would have to come I'd in. I'd skew a little bit more. That Carter would have to be way down. Hall would have to be way up by like 10 percentage points or so. But even so, with the 52 and the 8% target share, you're looking at running back number 30 by the overall projections. Yeah, and see, that's what I'm saying. That's not too far off. Like I said, I have him just inside the top 20. You give him... 56, 57% of the rushing share and the same in the touchdown department. And now he's probably climbed right up to about where I have him. Yeah, and he's being drafted as running back number 18, 19, 20 around that range. That just makes me feel like he's overvalued a bit. And I think that might come, I mean, obviously one Twitter video about Jets OTAs or something <laughs> like that. It's like, oh, there's Michael Carter taking first team reps. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe that anyone was ever drafting this guy to begin with. Like, I, I don't know what I, I think 60 
maybe like 70, 75, 80 is probably a good spot for him, but I think it's unrealistic to think he falls that low. I don't think he will. I think this is probably his range. And honestly, when I chuckled that you said the Twitter video, I was thinking the opposite. I was thinking he could climb even further. Oh, oh, pushing oh, on the heels. A hundred percent. It could go the exact opposite. Oh, oh, way yeah. Too. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I honestly think if he looks good and like the, all the reports are, he's getting all the lead work and all that type of stuff, which again, let's also remind people that something you and I talk about every single year as much as I can love Brees Hall, first team reps mean very little. You can only evaluate young players with the first team if you think there's a chance they can start. So like, just because they're running with the first team doesn't mean they necessarily will. They You can't evaluate a player truly running them with the third team. So I, that's what I'm saying. It's like Brees Hall running with the first team, you know, makes a great cut on someone, he gets a good pass, and all of a sudden, you know, like Michael Carter looked awful today or something like, forget about it. He'll be up there by like Nick Chubb as like RB12. 11. Who would you have in redraft leagues, at least, as your running back number two? Currently, Kenneth Walker, now on Seattle, is the one who is being drafted as the second rookie running back in redraft leagues. That's a spot behind Cordero Patterson. That's a spot in front of Tony Pollard and Damian Harris and Devin Singletary, Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hunt. Like, he's in the A.J. Dillon, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, like, tier of running back of where he's going mm. at pick number 85 overall. How is the Seattle backfield going to shape? I know they want to run the ball more somehow, <laughs> and it seems like they're going to be able to do that, but aren't we scared that – I mean, I guess it doesn't matter if Seattle's not good or not. Even if they're down by 21, they'll probably still run the ball anyway. But everyone's back, aren't they? I mean, I don't know what's happening with Penny, but Chris Carson's back. I don't see that's the way I don't think Chris Carson is on opening day roster. That's really what it comes down to. Unfortunately, like Chris Carson at this point of his career with all the injuries stacked up and everything like that. Now, if Penny's not playing, I could still see Carson holding on. But I think with DJ Dallas and the rest of them, Carson's the one out to cut his contract, unfortunately, and what he is. And that drafting a Kenneth Walker makes me feel like Chris Carson, unfortunately, as enjoyable as he's been, especially for fantasy purposes and great as he's been on a per touch basis. I just think his time is done with this team. Maybe you catch on somebody else. He could be with a nice value with another team potentially. But it would be Kenneth Walker. But the gap from Hall to Walker to go from Walker to the rest of Damian Pierce, uh, Algier, Isaiah Spill, all, all of them. It, that's a much smaller gap than it is from Hall to Walker because of two reasons. Is While I think Walker is the lead. I think this one is more now like the Broncos. I think this is more of the 50-50 split. And my biggest concern about Kenneth Walker is college Kenneth Walker being a terrible pass catcher. I mean, twisted around the wrong way, dropping balls. And there's talk that he's looked good really early in OTAs. And he made a catch. And as you mentioned, the videos and all that type of stuff. But I still think Walker is going to be first, second down, some goal line work. Penny's going to be the vast majority of the passing down work, but it's going to be a very much Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams type of split. And in that case, with whether it's Drew Locke or Geno or maybe even Baker, whatever it is, this muted offense, they're just going to kill each other's value. And for that point, and what we often play, half and full point PPR, I'd rather just wait and wait and wait and take Rashad Penny again. So you have Brees Hall at 45, Kenneth Walker at 86 overall. To your Penny point, Penny's going at 116 overall. See, there you go. And I think part of that might be because he's injured because I've seen some people who are like, don't you remember what Rashad Penny did? And I'm like, dude, I, I wanted Penny happen for years. I love Rashad Penny. Uh, but this draft pick, again, makes me think 50-50. If he's healthy, even 50-50, that's a value. Now, 
do they start going back to back? And now you're kind of killing both values. It's just going to, you're going to have to play that one very much by ADP. Per the early projections on this, and this still has Chris Carson at 14% of the rushing share at the moment, uh, it would spit out Rashad Penny at running back number 40 overall and Kenneth Walker at running back number 41. So Penny, you know, <laughs> so 40 picks later, seems like the much better value at least. And even if they're going 40 and 41, again, the passing game work, it's going to go Penny. Like I, Kenneth Walker would have are, to do are, so are, much. Are you, are you sure about that, that it would have to be Penny? I've seen too much Kenneth. Well, are you saying DJ Dallas or somebody like that? Like yeah, one like of the third listen, options. There, I mean, Adrian Peterson is still technically on this. I think that he's still like technically signed <laughs> to this roster. Not that he's a big <laughs> pass catching guy, but this is Pete Carroll that we're talking about here. And unless his allegiance is to Chris Carson, which it has been for years, for you know, especially when you wanted to make Rashad Penny happen for all of these yes. years, that they're just going to find, again, DJ Wiki Wiki Dallas and Travis Homer and these absolute jabronis to come in. And it feels, Darwin like, Thompson. A, it feels <laughs> like a situation that you want no part of. No, I, I, again, this is as of today. This is look, we're talking in May, so we're making a lot of assumptions here. And myself, I'm the one assuming that Chris Carson isn't going to be on this team come opening roster day. Uh, I've seen, I don't know if it was the Athletics Beat reporter Michael Duger, but somebody that alluded to that as well. So I'm not out here on an island, but it could be wrong. Like, what if? So I'll say this is the downside. The downside is, what if it's Carson, Penny, Walker, and those are the three running backs, and Carson, it like. Carson's proven so Carson might be the lead in that situation and then they play the long game with Kenneth Walker and now we're looking at Kenneth Walker being the Jonathan Taylor situation where he doesn't even get a ton of run till the second half of the season and that ton of a run is still 40 percent but that's why what I go back to Penny is you, the explosiveness the talent everything we saw from last year uh, you know, the, one of the reasons I tried to make Penny a thing or believed was not just because of the talent is because Pete Carroll, a lot of times, as you said, he has a fondness for players. He mentioned his fondness for Rashad Penny a few times. Now he didn't like the pick in the first round, but he mentioned the fact that he wanted to get him touches. So again, Pete Carroll's not the most truthful, but when it comes to running backs, he seems to be pretty truthful with running backs. He does, but we've seen Seattle over the years as well underneath Pete Carroll. Regardless of the draft capital that's spent on any player, that doesn't mean that someone from the roster can't beat right. that person out. Right. Oh, 100%. But at, as you mentioned, that value, if they're going back-to-back, -back, I'm taking Penny. If you're getting a discount multiple picks later, I'm taking Penny. And I do think he is the passing game option. Uh, I I can't, you're not going to, if he's healthy, that's the biggest question. If he's healthy, there's no way you're going to be using, if you're smart, unless they're just trying to tank. I mean, that's a possibility too. Very much doubt that Pete Carroll's sticking around for a tank job. <laughs> I mean, why does he want to stick around for this year with Drew Locke and Geno Smith at this point? Like maybe like he wants to give one last go next year with one of those rookie quarterbacks. Why, if you're, if you're sticking around for a tank job, why would you stick around for this year? I think you look at it the same way that the I, I think the Patriots being good, like pretty good the first year that Belichick loses Brady and they're like, oh, OK, I think that other oh, like, other, other teams see that blooper and be like, oh, well, maybe we'll be fine, too. And it's like, well, maybe you're not Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> so you think Pete Carroll is trying to prove that he's as smart as Bill Belichick? Probably. Yeah. OK. I mean, I can see that too. Or and he I was does just going and, down the path. And he does seem like the the type of coach who you know generally likes coaching. He's pretty fired up for a dude who's like seventy one. Uh, is he not one of the best looking seventy one year old coaches ever? I, I'm gonna I start still chewing. Don't believe he's I, I think I got to start chewing gum. Like that that seems to be the key. <laughs>
isn't that actually bad? Don't you get more frown like like lines when you chew, like chewing and smoking? That does that to your. I don't know. We are we are, are not all blessed with the strong jaw of Pete Carroll, and maybe it's gum related. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's all genetics. Who can really say at this point? Did you know when you're chewing gum, only your lower jaw is moving? I mean, yeah. I think right. well, pe- not a lot of people like people know that. I don't know. I think some people are like, oh wait, and they haven't thought about that before. I I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe they haven't thought about it. But I think thinking about it for like five seconds, be like, oh yeah, oh yeah. No, no, no. Like they're not gonna like argue. I'm wrong. <laughs> Just like they don't think like it clicks in people's minds. James Cook <laughs> is actually being drafted at pick number one six one sixteen right now. Like that's a. I mean, it's 30 spots after Kenneth Walker. And I would say that there's a more logical path for him, not necessarily being the number one, but in terms of fantasy value, just being in every week sort of really good contributor, like a more consistent Naheem Hines, if things really break his way. Now, on the Bills, who really knows? They seem to be pretty good with Devin Singletary a year ago. There's the talk about scaling Josh Allen back from running so much. I don't think it can actually operate that way, though. I think over time, you're going to see that. But every year they're like, oh, yeah, he's not going to run as much. And then he just starts calling his own number from the one-yard line, thus eliminating all the value that the running backs have. (laughs) But in terms of ADP, he's going well after Walker. But in terms of projections, he's ahead of Walker. And I could see that. So, you know, how many years in a row is it like, oh, the Panthers are going to get Cam Newton to stop running so much. They're yelling at him to stop running so much. It doesn't doesn't happen, as you mentioned. Inherently, like Russell Wilson, not that Russell Wilson was ever running for 1,000 yards, but Russell Wilson, as we've just seen last year, it's coming down. It's coming down naturally. It's coming down at this point of his career. So I agree with you there. I also agree with the fact that I never really wanted much to do with the Bills' backfield unless it was one clear 70% of the workload option. And for a brief time last year we got that with Singletary especially at the end of the year where Singletary was a top 10 running back I don't think that carries over for this year because they went for J.D. McKissick who changed his mind and said you know what I'm going back to Washington which I don't I think that's the first time everybody made that decision in the past couple you're like oh let me turn down a Super Bowl contender to go back to Washington seriously buddy but the James Cook drafting is what you're kind of saying here is that's that Naheem Hines, that's that J.D. McKissick role that they were looking for and they got in James Cook. So I'm concerned about Devin Singletary that they're going to keep him or put him back into that 14 to 16 touch range. And James Cook is going to get that passing game work. It's really interesting to see if that means Josh Allen does lean more to throwing to his running backs or... Is this just an empty position and it's more real-life value? I'm with you in the fact that as of today, I'll put James Cook on Kenneth Walker's heels, but that's going to be a little bit of change in the offense. And if Gabriel Davis is going to step up as so many people expect to happen and Josh Allen just keeps throwing to everybody except most of the backfield, then this is going to be 110, as you said, that range. I mean, that's not far, far off. If he throws just a little bit of uptick to that backfield, then yeah, James Cook's undervalued there. So the projections currently spit out Singletary is running back number 29 in half-point PPR, and James Cook is running back number 38. That's with 20% of the rushing market share and, what do we got, 10% of the receiving share. And that's still giving Singletary 7% of the receiving share. Now, if you bump up to like 13% and bump down Singletary to 4%, be like, hey, this, this is what they're really doing, it then becomes Singletary 31 James Cook, number 34. I I guess the big thing is the Bills did sign Duke Johnson, which is that, and this was before, obviously, drafting Cook, that you would think like, oh, this is, Duke Johnson is perfect for this role. 
does he play a thorn in the side here that maybe it's not necessarily a three-back backfield, but Duke Johnson's a steady hand. He's a veteran. He can block. He can pass catch. He can carry it up the middle if you need to. That you're just looking at, you know, let's peel off four or five touches a game for Duke Johnson, almost like Matt Breda a year ago. And it's like, oh, he's kind of killing the value of everyone now. (laughs) See, and this is why I always say the NFL makes no sense to me. Like, why not like every other sport don't you do the draft then free agency? Because maybe if you draft James Cook, you don't even see Duke Johnson signed. Like, just you fill the need in the draft. It never. Anyway, sidebar there. The Duke Johnson thing, you're right in that facet. But at this point, too, is does Duke Johnson even make the open dating roster with this situation where they drafted James maybe Cook not very yeah. yeah very very limited guaranteed money actually I don't even know if was it anything at all and then they just roll out Taiwan Jones and Zach Moss as whoever ends up being the third and they're basically like a two-back system or is Duke Johnson on this roster and then you are right you give even a handful of touches to Duke well that means what is Singletary cap out at 15 with you know five or six for James Cook. And now, like, as you mentioned, now we're back to this entire backfield is blown up value-wise because Josh Allen still gets his quarter of the share. Yeah, I have 26% rushing share for Josh Allen. That's more, that's 6% more. I mean, it's not 6%. Six, six percentage points more. Not quite 6%. It's like nine point right, something. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it might be. You know, in terms of actual, <laughs> it's easier to talk in this way. Like, yeah, 6% more. Not really 6% more. Six percentage points six more percentage points. than James Cook. Yeah. But, okay, let, let's start working through some scenarios because I think this is where rookie running backs really come in handy. What if Singletary gets hurt in week one? What does the Bills' backfield look mm. like then? Is Cook the guy or is his role his role? See, I think his role could be expanded, but he won't be the guy just that he's not built for. He's not that kind of running back. But his role could expand enough to be like what Michael Carter, go back to that. Michael Carter's was last year when, you know, Tevin Coleman was banged up and you see him in an Austin Eckler type of role, 12, 15 touches, not the 17, 18, like Eckler often gets through, you know, a ton of pass catches, but you know, you put James Cook into the 12 to 15, even 16 touches. And now you're talking about a top 20 running back. Somebody will be involved. That's one where I could see, you know, let's say Singletary was hurt before day one and somebody thinks Chris Carson's still healthy and Seattle moves on from him and Chris Carson jumps over to there. I think that's what would happen is they would find somebody maybe off the street, you know, Devontae Freeman getting his eighth chance at this point of his career, that kind of a situation, because I think they're completely done and out on Zach Moss. Um, but maybe he shows something in the preseason that gives him one more hope for him. But he James Cook could lead, but there's going to be a cap on how much he leads. He's not going to be 20 touches a game. That would be okay though. Even if it was 15 touches, that probably yes. I mean yes. that probably makes him better than Brees Hall, just with the expectation of how much this offense is going to score. That was one of the limitations to Michael Carter, even as the quote unquote full time guy at points last season. It just didn't score any points. <laughs> right. And you're on a much better team and a much better offense. Uh, even if you don't get the goal line carries, that being James Cook, there's still many touches and you can score from outside the goal line. So, yes, James Cook, I think that's why you see him going as the third running back ahead of potentially more round, more well-rounded and guaranteed touches from day one is because of the upside if anything were to happen. Want to change your career? There's never been a better time to become a programmer, and with Codecademy, you can learn to code on your own terms. Over 50 million people already know that Codecademy is the best way to learn code. 
That's because Codecademy not only teaches you job-ready coding skills, but also helps you build unique projects for your portfolio, earn certificates, and even prep for technical interviews. You can learn at your own pace and get qualified for in-demand jobs. Choose what to learn, from building basic websites to artificial intelligence and everything else you could want. No matter what your experience level, you'll be writing real working code in minutes, learning languages including Python, HTML, CSS, SQL, JavaScript, and more. And if you're not sure to where to begin, Codecademy will point you in the right direction. Join over the 50 million people learning to code with Codecademy and see where coding can take you. Get 15% off your Codecademy Pro membership when you go to Codecademy.com and use promo code PAT. That's promo code PAT at Codecademy.com to get 15% off Codecademy Pro, the best way to learn code. C-O-D-E-C-A-D-E-M-Y dot com. Promo code PAT. So where do we go after this? Who do you think is the number four rookie running back in redraft leagues? For me, it's two guys that I would actually put the talent behind both of them in front of only because the opportunity is Damian Pierce and Tyler Agier, who I kept saying during the draft, Damian Pierce's discount Kenneth Walker and Tyler Algiers discount Damian Pierce. It's like discount, discount Kenneth Walker. They're both in similar situations. They're both lead down power running backs, one cut kind of guys. Uh, you're not going to see a ton of elusiveness. They're going to be capped because they're playing for Houston and Atlanta, but they should get the scoring opportunities when they're close and they should be the first and second down guys and they should be that type of workload. So you're talking about 15 plus touches every single week. Very assumed, a limited, very limited passing game options for both of them. But where the other option I was saying is more well-rounded, I love Isaiah Spiller. I think he was one of the best talents in this draft class, who if his lead in Austin Eckler goes down, now you're talking potential RB1. But his workload every single week is probably like 30%, where both of these were talking 50 just because they're getting first and second downs. Are we sure that they're going to be the lead backs on the respective teams? Like when you think about Algier, it's not like Cordero Patterson's dead. No, but I think they already transitioned last year. They already talked up Cordell Patterson being used back again more in the passing game. I think that's probably a 60-40 split. Cordell Patterson's not going away. I just think that, and that's why Algier is so limited, is I don't think he's going to get a lot of usage in the passing game, is you're going to get a lot of carries. I could see Algier being... Algier is essentially Mike Davis of last year, but not going at Mike Davis' price. So no. you're getting him in the 40s yeah, or he, even 50s right now. He is pick number 142 overall, projected so there, so there as go. running back number 62. Frankly, based on the projections from Run the Sims right now, he's actually third in this backfield in terms of fantasy points because Damian Williams is just there. <laughs> See, and I don't know, is Damian Williams, and that's what could be watched. If Talia Algier looks terrible, Damian Williams is a veteran. You know, they, they, that could be the value there. Uh, so, again, this is if he is the lead, Algier, Algier should probably get 220, 240 touches, mostly on the ground. And that's going to have RB3 value on the Falcons. So well, let, let's not try to, super exciting. Let, let's work through these projections then, because currently it has Patterson at 39% of the rushes, Algier at 23% of the rushes, Damian Williams at 20% of the rushes, and Daryl. Daryl, by the way. Oh, Daryl. Sorry. Yeah. Is it Daryl Williams? Daryl. Yeah, Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams. Oh, wait, what? no, Daryl Williams is. No, Daryl Williams is on Arizona. That's right, because he just got signed. You're right, Damian Williams. Sorry, I just I brain farted myself there. Sorry, Jake. You're messing with my <laughs> mind. Please don't do that to me. It was it was confusing enough when they were on the same team. 
<laughs> D. Williams? Oh, no. Uh, and then between Mariota and Ritter, I got Mariota at 10% and Ritter at 7%. Like, this can break a whole lot of different ways. So let's play out a scenario where Algier is the lead back in this backfield and try mm-hmm. to divvy it out that way. And we'll see what the projections end up coming to. And maybe that's a better way to think about this in terms of potential upside. Because at 142... I mean, he's free at this point. I mean, not necessarily, yeah, not, necessarily right. not necessarily in best ball because you have so many rounds. But in like redraft leagues is about a 12th, 13th round pick, a fly a bench guy that maybe it works out. So let's put in a best case scenario, a realistic best case scenario. Because the best case scenario yes. is like, oh, Patterson and Williams both get hurt and no one wants to deal with Keith Smith on this team. He has 100% <laughs> of the rushing attempts. That's not going to happen. So let's go with what's a realistic case with all three of these guys making the roster and playing it out. Okay. What's a realistic upside for Algier 55% of the carries I was going to undercut you even on that one okay. I was going to go back to your the, the Kenneth Walker I was 52 is what I was going to throw out all right so we'll go, say, like, we'll go with 52% yeah. punch that in so now we need to bring Cordero down to what 20% 25% yeah I put him in the 20, 20 I was 25 <laughs> that's what actually came to mind right, yeah, I mean, and then this, Damian Williams is like the per, per, he, pure third option so he's like 5% basically uh, that, seven eight. Seven eight. Okay, so we'll put him at eight. That then leaves us three percent over. We're at one hundred and three percent in terms of market share. So we can bump down Mariota to seven percent. Keep Ritter at seven percent. Be happy with that. I don't think Mariota runs yeah, that much. Tell you the truth. No, I don't think so either. I don't know how much he plays, but you know, he, <laughs> I would expect him That's to start the too. season. But how long is that? Unless he plays great, and all of a sudden Atlanta's great. Okay, so we fit, figure that out. We're at Algier at fifty-two percent. So let's go to receiving game. Patterson at 14%, Algier at 3%, Damian Williams at 6%. Do we just flop Williams and Algier? No, I was going to keep Algier at 3. I okay. think Damian Williams could keep that. That's that's let's be realistic about it. I don't think Algier is as bad as Damian Pierce in the passing game, but I just think that they probably won't even use him in that role. Okay, so we'll keep him at 3%, and we'll keep his touchdown market share of the receiving game at 3% as well. So I guess the only thing we need to adjust now is the overall touchdown percentage of rushing touchdowns between these guys. Right now, it's 38% Patterson, 22% Algier, and 21% Damian Williams. Should we just give Damian, like, flip flip Patterson Patterson and and Algier? Okay, so I'll put him at 22%, and then 38%. Boom. Okay, that now, doing all that, that makes him running back mm-hmm. number 42. So, what did I say? RB, uh, RB3. Yeah. Just outside of it. Just outside of it. That's still behind Kenneth Walker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I, that's where I was going to keep him. That's why I said he. these are clearly the fourth options. And I think Damian Pierce is in a very similar situation. I would take Pierce over Algier. But... Again, we're capping these guys at RB3 value because of the teams that they're on and then the other mix of options there. So you just played it out. But even let's even say he only finishes at RB42. You mentioned it. He's a 12th, 13th round pick. Sure. Okay, let's talk about Pierce then. What are his limits? I mean, obviously, we know what the limitations in Houston are going to be. He's going at pick number 121. Algiers going at pick number 142. So people like you prefer Pierce in that range. But that's not significantly behind Cook. That's five picks after Cook. So there does seem to be the Hall, then Walker, then Cook and Pierce, and then we drop down again. So you got Pierce. Could he be the lead back for the Texans? Or is it going to be like Merlin Mack? 
Hmm. Are we doing the Marlon Mack thing again for like the 17th year? Well, <laughs> like, there's a reason he keeps sticking uh, around. Yeah. It's never because, sure. he, and they resigned Burkhead. Royce Freeman might be still plotting around on this roster. The Our goon board. is there. Yeah, the goon is on this roster. Scotty Phillips, remember, he just made cameos towards the end. of the, they, were using a, they were using four running back sets with four terrible running backs <laughs> last year at some point. <laughs> right. And they drafted Damian Pierce, though. But so Damian Pierce could not pass up Marlon Mack. Let's be real. So that's the I, downside. I, I, believe, I, I, I believe you're trying to say he could pass Marlon Mack. Not is how you should phrase it. <laughs> okay. So Mack could easily be the lead, and that wouldn't mean that Damian Pierce isn't getting any touches, but Marlon Mack could easily be the lead. Damian Pierce, I think, has the upside of being healthy, of having a little bit more power. He does have some passing game value. He's not honestly too dissimilar from healthy Marlon Mack. I actually compared Damian Pierce to James Conner with the Cardinals, Uh, not the great, great James Conner with the Pixar Steelers, but like Cardinals James Conner. Obviously that touchdown upside is not going to be with the Texans, but that's the upside here. And I think that if we play your game again, or I don't want to say cold play a game, let's just run the Sims again, is that I think you could find that Damian Pierce would be in a very similar range to Tyler Algier, who again, these are late round running backs. The biggest issue and the re- not the biggest issue, the biggest reason I'm taking a lot of Pierce and taking a lot of Algier is because if we get to August and they are announced to starters, you're they're going to be going in the seventh, eighth round because they're the starters. They're the leads of a running back as bad as the backfield might be. So that's really what it comes down to. If you were telling me Damian Pierce and Tyler Algier are going in the sixth or seventh round, no. If you is you, I mean, obviously you're drafting Pierce. You just said that. But between the two, what do you think the chances of Mac outscoring Pierce are? Like Pep, Pep Hamilton is the OC with the Texans now. He must love himself some Marlon Mack. <laughs> is that the is what is it the devil you know or something like that? That's really or what just it comes down like to? hey, we're we're instituting this new offense. Hey, here's this guy who knows what to do at least. That's true too. And we, hey, how many times have we seen rookies at all positions struggle with playbooks and learning them and stuff like that? So, yeah, the was chances, we percent chances Marlon Mack outscores Damian Pierce at least 50 50. Yeah. I, I, as of today, he's still, Damian Pierce is still a rookie. Let's like, talk about what you said, the hot takes right after the draft. And this is somebody, myself, who covers rookies every single year. You should, as of today, still put the odds on Mack. But there are odds that Pierce does it. But if you told me between the two, yeah, it should be Mac. But I would take Damian Pierce's. I think his ceiling is higher, too. So the way that they're being drafted right now, Pierce pick number 121, Marlon Mack pick number 187. And maybe the... Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's a huge gap right now. No one wants a piece of Marlon Mack. But the biggest thing here, and not that this guy is going to have standalone value. He will for like three weeks a year. But with Rex Burkhead, let's just say for whatever reason, Rex Burkhead decides to stay healthy this year for the first time ever. He is just going <laughs> to be used on this team. And it's almost <laughs> like that Damian Williams situation that I talked about with Atlanta, that if he is there, or even like Duke Johnson, he'll probably get used more than Duke Johnson because he's going to be not necessarily their receiving back because he'll end up with like, Five carries and five targets per game, regardless of what the game flow situation is going to be, to take away from all of this. But if he really monopolizes the passing game and passing down situations for the Texans, which there should be a lot of, that's really going to cap everyone else. Oh, absolutely. And I actually thought, when I when I threw out 
my little comment while you were talking. I thought you were going to be huge. That's what I thought you were about to say. You instead of used. Uh, like yes, uh, Rex Burkhead will be involved, and I think he's the most interesting, uh, not interesting value name, as in the most interesting thorn in a lot of these backfields we've been talking about already, because he's just going to get involved, uh, similar to James White, but in a different usage way. But like James White with it, if James White's healthy. He's going to get involved and he's going to be involved and he's going to cap everybody's value on that team. So I'm with you on Burkhead, if healthy. If this backfield day one is Mac Pierce Burkhead, eh, that's almost just stay away. Uh, you'd probably be better off rolling out Burkhead in fantasy, to tell you the truth. Like between the three, it's, with all three of possible. them being there, like he might score eight fantasy points, but that might be the best of the three. <laughs> and that's true. Yeah. So, so yeah, stay away could be, I get the argument for Pierce and the potential upside. Hey, what if all of a sudden Mac gets cut right before like during training camp and now it's just Pierce and Burkhead with the rest of the guys being backups. That's a great the goon. Yeah, the goon. Like that's, I mean, the goon you would have to think is a backup to Rex Burkhead, don't you? You think he's the pass catching option only? Yeah, I think given at this point of his career. But, yeah, but isn't, is, is, isn't that what Rex Burkhead is basically? Yeah, no, I was saying, but well, what I'm trying to say is I, I was trying to figure out, so if it's Pierce and Burkhead and Mac is cut, then is it Royce? Like, eh. So uh, I mean, Mac might be hard to cut, even with a, no guarantee in the injury history he has. It, it might be Pierce, Mac, Burkhead. Like if we were putting odds out today, I would put the odds that's the backfield. Isaiah Spiller, you brought up, goes to the Chargers. He is now yes. being currently drafted at pick number 136. Overall. Oh so, my so that, god, I would that, take that so many times. Okay, what explain to me why? Like what what are we thinking? Like Eckler is just gonna say take such a massive step back this season? No, I think so. When I had my tears, uh Spiller was near the top in this draft class. I think uh Spiller is one of the more talented running backs who fell into a potentially great situation, but somebody who should potentially still have standalone value. The Chargers for years have been trying to find the compliment to Austin Eckler of Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly and uh, the Larry Roundtrees of the world. They've been trying and trying and trying, and they finally said, you know what, let's stop with this six-round nonsense or these other bums. And they finally said, you know what, let's take a good talent for once. And they found a great talent. Now, do again, don't think it's going to be Broncos 50-50 split. But I think we've learned at this point, and the Chargers know at this point, as young as Austin Eckler still is, surprisingly, He's taken a lot of pounding. He has a lot of injury concerns, given the way that his style is and his touch volume. And they basically, we know this, anytime, the more touches you get as running back, the more likely you are to get hurt. So if you look at this and say, Austin Eckler, let's keep him in that 13, 15, 17 at most, and a lot of it coming in the passing game. Who do we spell him with? We spell him with a great talent, top five talent in this running back class, in my opinion. And somebody who, if Eckler misses time, is going to be a top 15 running back minimum. And that's because he is a great three down running back, just like Isaiah Spiller or just like Austin Eckler, but with more power than Austin Eckler, less of a receiving game than Austin Eckler. So I think he's a great compliment for one who could be a weekly RB three low end, but who has a ton of upside if something happens to Eckler. Are we just sure Joshua Kelly and Larry Rantry are not necessarily out the door, but like they're not seeing the field. I just don't think, I don't think Jackson Kelly around, not any of the three even come in the realm of Spiller, in my opinion. I just think there's such a tier down, even two tiers down talent wise. And that's why. Let's talk Tampa Bay. What 
do we think that the future holds for Leonard Fournette as the bell cow running back on this team? I think it's very much just like last year all over again. But as a bell cow, that's still in this team, that's still capped on a touch volume. I mean, if you look at if you look at last year, Fournette was touchdown reliant to agree. Not well, as bad as like LeGarrette Blunt, but back when he was with Brady, but it was some touchdown reliance. It, what were you going to say? I was going to say he was so much more involved in the passing game than I would have ever imagined last year. And that's because, you know, who the other option was is Ronald Jones stinks. That That's really what it comes down to in the passing game. I, I, I'm i not concerned about Rashad White being like, oh, Le- Le- Leonard Fournette's not going to catch 20 balls this year. Leonard Fournette's still a good passer. So Le- Le- Leonard, Fournette, I don't think Le- Leonard Fournette caught 69 pass passes on 84 targets last year. That's incredible. And a lot of it came towards like the end of the year, too. Yeah, and I think that that isn't going to come down much. I think Rashad White will take some of that, but not where we're going from 69 receptions to 30. I think it would be 50, and that's a 19 drop. And that's still – how many? look at how many running backs catch 50 balls. I still think there's going to be involvement for Leonard Fournette. He's still going to be the guy. The whole appeal of Rashad White is somebody who's being vaulted up because, again – Similar to Ronald Jones, why do we even care about Ronald Jones last year? Because if something happened to Fournette, he's the next man up. Rashad White, as an all-around running back, I think is a better talent than Ronald Jones, but Ronald Jones has showed that he can play at the NFL level. Not great, but he can play. Rashad White can still bust. He's a rookie. We haven't, you know, we don't know if he succeeds in the NFL. Look at the number of running backs that don't ever hit in the NFL. So, all that being said, Fournette. If healthy, we'll finish as an RB1, but nobody's taking him there. <laughs> but Rashad White would be one of my probably, I was going to say top, he would definitely be top 10. He might be a top five backup because of what that backfield looks like right now. So we're just out on Keyshawn Vaughn and Gio Bernard? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Pass catching options. White is being drafted at number 130 overall. That's ahead of Spiller and ahead of Algier. Mm, I'm okay with the head of Spiller, but I would have, I mean, obviously I would have all three of them higher, but as of today, if I was drafting, I would go, that's actually the order I would go on is White, Spiller, Algier. But, you know, that could flip and have Algier at the top if he ends up being the lead by August, but that's the way I would draft as of today. Leonard Fournette projects as running back number eight overall, being drafted at running back number 14 right now. It's like, a decision that you have to make between Fournette or Barkley. I think I would take Fournette. Hmm. Uh, that's that really comes down to: Do you want a potential five, top five running back, and then it's Barkley? Like, here's what it comes down to, and this is not because I'm a Giants fan. Everybody knows I crap on the Giants more than anybody. And yes, I named my dog Barkley, but it was also because of the play on words. And I'm a Giants fan, but the Barkley fandom as a fantasy player just comes down to the same thing as Christian McCaffrey. If you're out on Christian McCaffrey, you're out on Saquon Barkley. If yeah, you don't want to I don't know about that. Because here's why. Saquon Barkley last year, everybody said wait till the end of September, he's going to be healthy by that point, he needs some time, he's not going to be 100% by day 1. People seem to have forgotten the fact that we got to week 4 before he stepped on the Cowboys ankle. And it was a freak injury. It's not like he's blown up his knee every single year. Yeah, he did blow up his knee, but it's not the same injury. It's not compounding situations. He was in that game. Everybody, go back to Twitter. Oh, my God, Barkley's back. Oh, my God, look how good he looks. He's making the cuts. He's getting to the second level before anybody even gets a hand on him, blah, blah, blah. 
and then he twists his ankle and he comes back and he's never like it again. And the fact was, is that high ankle, mid ankle sprain just kind of killed his season. We were just talking the fact that he was back. I understand people have been burned. If you don't want to draft McCaffrey, you don't want to draft Barkley, I'm fine. But Barkley still talent-wise has top five. And if you're in on Dable and trying to make more excuses for Daniel Jones, you should be making excuses for Saquon Barkley too. I can see it. I just think that him and McCaffrey are on a completely different tier in terms of not necessarily risk, because I think the risk factors are exactly the same, whether you want to buy in to the reoccurring injuries or not. But McCaffrey as a fantasy player, I just think is way better than Saquon Barkley because McCaffrey is scoring 28 points without scoring touchdowns. Like his, you will see the spike receiving weeks where he builds this floor for Saquon Barkley. That's just every week for Christian McCaffrey when he's on the field. Sure, but I think the volume could definitely be there too because who's behind Barkley? Gary Brightwell, who they drafted, he brought in Dable, they, well, uh, Sheen too. They brought in Matt Breida, who you mentioned before. Like, if healthy, which is a big question mark, but this offensive line was better than people realized towards the end of last year. It's still not great, but now you add in a talent in Evan Neal that should make it probably top half, if not top 10. This offensive line's coming together. Everybody's the magic of Dable. And the volume should be through the roof. Saquon Barkley should be one of those ones that's in the Najee Harris, Christian McCaffrey workload level, if healthy. That's the big if. That's the only big if to me. You're not sweating Sandro Platzgummer? That's a name. (laughs) It's Platzgummer? Yeah, he's he's the first of, is he from Germany or where is he from? He's, He's the first, I think, from his country that was in the NFL. Yeah, as an actual active roster player. I think there's been German players before. Let's see. Where the hell is this guy is, from? He's a former rugby player. So is he from? He's from Austria. Austria. Maybe that's what it was. I, I will say this too, Pat, since we're talking about this team and we are talking rookies, sleeper, Deshaun Corbin, the one, the undrafted one that they got. You want to talk the next James Robinson. He's not going to be the Jackson next James Robinson. That one happens once every 50 years. But undrafted talent out of Florida State that people don't realize potential talent if Barkley goes down I think he makes the roster and with it leap this entire backfield this backfield is just so who's the other one isn't there somebody else that used to play for the Bills that they got back on this roster Breda. Williams is Breda. Williams on this now nah, Breda's there no I said I mentioned Breda there's oh. another one is it... uh, let's see Antonio Williams was he on the team was he on the Buffalo Bills at some point yeah, Antonio well, Williams is that's the other one wasn't Antonio Williams the guy who had like three touchdowns in week 17 three years ago Mm, I think that's what Paul I'm Paul of. Bills fan was was that Antonio Williams? <laughs> I think so. Okay. Paul's Bills. It was it was something Williams. I think it was A Williams as I recall it from like seeing Andre the stat. Williams maybe. It may have been it's Andre Williams. Something. No, I think Andre Williams was the guy who was on the Giants, wasn't he? I don't know. There's too many <laughs> Now we're in the, now we're stuck in the A Williams <laughs> along with the DA Williams. Yeah, at least those two other guys actually did stuff that I can kind of remember. Maybe it's because they were playing for the Chiefs, and it'd be like, well, which Williams do you want as your backup? And like, should we play? Is, is Daryl Williams a top 10 fantasy running back without Clyde Edwards-Lair? At least we had those Darryl discussions. Daryl with one L. Daryl with one L. Correct. Any other rookies that we should have on our radar, do you think, as potential usurpers? Or, I mean, did, when you said James Robinson, the undrafted free agent running back, do you say once every 50 or 15? 50. I was being a little bit higher. Because I, I do remember Arian Foster at one point. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, yeah, I was being like, so every 15, if we're being honest about it. So it's ex- still exceptionally rare for how many undrafted rookie running backs are actually on teams. Are we sticking with running backs? Yeah, yeah we're, 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 we're just talking running backs. You have like Zamir White, okay. Brian Robinson then, Jr. Like these names pop up. 
So Brian Robinson Jr. I think is the replacement for Jarrett Patterson, which I know there was a lot of draft nicks that liked him last year. I, I wasn't very high in Patterson. I think Brian Robinson's a better three down running back. That just is he's the backup to Antonio Gibson if anything what, happens to Gibson. So what ha- what ha- worth. what happened to Patterson? He's just not that good. No, oh, it's just one he's problem. Just, he's not any good. <laughs> Thank you. You're the only person that ever gets that reference with me. So God. uh Zamir White is, uh, yeah, if something happens to Josh Jacobs, we mentioned that the Kenyon Drake felt like the Gruden experiment and there might be out on that, although I don't think Zamir White goes to a bell cow role. Both of those are intriguing. And then the other one is Keontae Ingram. But that was before Daryl with the 1L, the Daryl, not Damian Williams, was brought in. And so as of today, I would lean Daryl Williams to the back of the James Conner and actually seeing some of that passing game work that James Chase Edmonds got. But, you know, again, it's a veteran on not a big contract. Or actually, I don't even think much guaranteed money with him either. Ingram could surpass Daryl Williams before the season opens. And if that's the case, Ingram would be intriguing behind James Conner. Oh, but all three of these guys we just talked about are like all if injuries happen situations. Yeah. So really no one, unless something comes just completely out of the blue, a freak injury during training camp, someone mysteriously gets cut, or just someone plays great and they're like, oh, this Haskins guy, he's better than Derrick Henry. Let's make him the starter. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, James White gets hurt. Pierre Strong becomes a thing, something like that. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Is there anybody else that we didn't even mention? No, I think I think, I, I think that's all of them. Kyron Williams, Akers, and Daryl Henderson are definitely – Injury plagued as hell as can be. So one of those goes down. Kyron Williams would see some of the share. But that's about it. I mean, I hope Tyler Batty – oh, excuse me. <coughs> Got caught right. up for a second. The, the the baddies are getting me inside my chest, making me cough. Like if Dobbins and Edwards and whoever the hell else goes down in Baltimore. There you go. I think Batty – yeah, I think Batty as of today is the Justice Hill for them. Oh, there is – um, if something – if James Robinson can't bounce – like people are like – so I did my breakout article on the, the running backs this week, so my four-part series, and ETN obviously in there. And, and people you, were like, what you, about James Robinson? Your boy, what? Snoop Connor? That's, that's where I was going to go. People were like, what about James Robinson? He should, be, he should be out there for week one or potentially on the field for week one. It's like, do you realize that's potentially like actually playing football week one? That's not even like – it's not like he got ramped up and it's like, oh, we're unlocking him on week one. It's like he might be – ability to get on the field and even practice week one so i would love if james robinson could still be a thing but if he can't snoop connor is more similar to the algier conversation can have some passing game work but a compliment to etn and the fact that if it's etn and connor doug peterson is there i do think etn could have miles sanders like value but that caps him at like 250 touches those other touches, Peterson Peterson uses a lead. He doesn't use a bell cow. He can use a lead like he did with Miles Sanders, but he's still going to give somebody other touches, whether it's Robinson or Connor or somebody else. So I, I would say, like, we're talking best ball in super late drafts right now. Just throw Connor in. What is he, 200, I'm assuming, right now in drafts? Oh, geez, he's like 350. No, okay, just, just throw him on the roster. What do you suppose the role for ETN is going to be this year? How high could he finish as a fantasy performer? check the link pat no i have him as i think that the ceiling is top 15 and if you look at miles sanders from three years ago now uh, i think that you're looking at 250 touches on what etn could do get you into that rb 17 18 19 range so i would say mid-level rb2 peak being top end rb2 
And part of it, I do think the Jaguars offense is going to be better and not just because Urban Meyer is gone, but you know, let's not forget that everybody at the draft time last year, Trevor Lawrence, best quarterback since Andrew Luck. And all of a sudden he sucks. Like, you know, maybe those were lofty expectations, of course, but let's not just write off Trevor Lawrence after one season. And we've given Sam Darnold 7,000 chances. Why can't freaking Trevor Lawrence get a second? So Trevor Lawrence, they vastly overpaid for Christian Kirk, but you give him weapons, a nice offensive line. I mean, this team could be a decent offense. And if so, ETN on 250 touches is probably inside the top 20 running backs. That's ceiling. The risk, not healthy, split backfield. Everybody's getting touches, and that's the downside. You know that Doug Peterson has a book? What On what? It's called Fearless, colon, How an Underdog Becomes a Champion. The Doug Peterson Story. <laughs> Oh, it, w- it wasn't the Nick Foles story? <laughs> so I was expecting. <laughs> He's a lot, Doug Peterson's a lot younger than I thought. He's only 54. Oh, see, that would, that's funny because I would have guessed in his 50s. Yeah, see, I, th- I thought he was like pushing 60. But all head coaches seem like they're in their 60s to me, unless they're like a noted young person. <laughs> well, are you at that point yet now where like young people are actually starting to look like young people? Because yeah. I went to. An, yeah, because I'm old. I, I, went yeah, to, I, I get it, Jake. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm going to give you the example. I'm old, too. I'm right there with you. Actually, I think I got you by a year or two. But I went to AEW, and I was on the campus of UMBC, and I went to get food while we were waiting because we got there early. It's the Chick-fil-A, which was in their food court. And I walked in there, and I'm like, oh, my God, these kids look like they're 13 years old. And I was like, I'm that guy. Like, I can't believe I'm that old. <laughs> you, you've, re- you've reached the breaking point in terms of age where you're like, oh, God, this is not good. I look so old now that everyone just looks yes, young. Yes, yes. What is, like, U- what is oh, UNBC? University of Maryland, uh, Baltimore. Oh, M. Oh, okay. UMBC. Yeah. I thought you said UNBC. Which I thought I said N. Not no. that I would have guessed it anyway, yeah. but I would have thought like, <laughs> university, military, because would have been my guess. <laughs> University military because I like that. It is the uh, the the sister school. Too hard. That, that is the si- that is the sister school of Annapolis. So okay. <laughs> anyway, Jake, what do you got going on at the athletic? Uh, yeah, I just I just dropped my breakout running backs for this week. It's that four part series I did quarterbacks last week. So next week, as you can do by the timeline, is wide receivers and then tight ends, and then by the end of that. We're actually, we, the athletic hasn't fantasy magazine coming out this year. And then I'll be in draft kit mode after that. So everything's coming out, Pat is we didn't get a breather this year. Thanks to free agency going bonanza. They there, you guys are releasing a magazine, but does Nando think this is fucking 1997. (laughs) Nando's not the one that came up with it and it's not going to be on racks. It's not going to be like in the stores. This is like Amazon only. So it's like, so it's like, so it's like pizza, pizza, like black book. It's like a, it's an online PDF that you get. Yeah, so you can buy the actual print version, or you can just, or you get both, and then you get a code which will update it on the site and stuff like that. I was gonna say, when, when you buy this, when you buy it. the print version, you just like download it and print it from your printer. Is it what you're saying? <laughs> Possibly. I've been pushing so hard not to do a mock draft for this thing because I'm like, no, people are gonna buy this thing in August and be like, why is this dude in the third round? This guy's draft is awful. Half his team is hurt. Remember when we used to do that in like 2003? I know. <laughs> like here, here is this fantasy magazine that was printed in April that I'm buying in July, being like, "Oh yeah, I guess I'll take this guy. He's going in the first round. What do I know?" <laughs> that was the that was the TJ Hushmazada years. Oh, those were great. He was so good. 2005, he was so good. 
I know, because that's was, everybody made the same joke, and everybody had their magazine open, and it was like, oh, I'll take TJ Hushmanzada fourth round, and everybody, lock it up. He was a PPR monster that year. Him, Ocho, I mean, he was basically as good as Ocho Psycho the year that Carson Palmer was awesome. Yes. Carson Palmer, that one amazing, finished number one at quarterback. Did he? Yep. Who was there? Was Rudy Johnson the running back that year? Ooh, good question. I think he was. I think Corey Dillon was in New England by that point. Was he? I think so. That was, that was pre-Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, right? I think so, yeah. I think he came along after the Carson Palmer knee injury. I think. My I, mind is warped because I mean, I'm old. So Carson Palmer beat out Tom Brady in QB1 that year. So it was Rudy Johnson. Good call, Pat. 1,458 rushing yards, 12 rushing touchdowns, a robust 23 for 90 in the passing game with zero touchdowns. Well, that, that was – who was their third? Didn't they – did they have like a little – they have like a little white dude who was their slot receiver, as was like in fashion at the time. Like the Oh, the Colts have Brandon Stokely, so let's get us a Brandon Stokely type. Like Welker came on the scene. Or was it just that concentrated that it was Palmer to Johnson or Hushmanzada, and that was it? Uh, I could tell you in one second, I was trying to pull it up as fast as I possibly could to get you, but you, you beat me with your end of your sentence. It was, no, it was the other Chris Henry. It was Chris Henry's the third wide receiver that year oh, with yeah. 422 yards. Did they have a tight end? Mm, of note? I mean, Reggie Kelly? Nope. I was going to say, it was probably Tyler Eifert 20 years ago somehow. No. <laughs> so the next, actually, Chris Perry was the third leading targets on that team at 62. Wasn't he so a, wasn't he, wasn't he a was, running back? Yeah. Yeah. Fun. 2005 Bengals. Look them up. I mean, we just did, so you don't have to. But Nice <laughs> yeah, reminiscing. Sure. Maybe that's that's what we should do at the end of every show. Think about a year. Remiss- think about it. Yes, a great fantasy. Uh, this this week in great fantasy offenses. That's, that sounds like, <laughs> like, a, really, that sounds like, like- a really terrible idea the marketing guy when I worked at fantasy would have come up with. Because we had great <laughs> moments in fantasy history that I had to fly to Chicago to try to sell the Bud Light. And I was on the plane like, this is a fucking horrible idea, man. Like, no one cares about this. And we don't have the clip rights to any of this. What are we going to talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> and have like on the little uh, screens when you get on the ferry from New York to New Jersey. Yeah, like that. exactly. That's what it was going to be presented by Bud Light. It's like, oh, here's a here's a still photo of Priest Holmes on the Chiefs. Like, yeah, great. <laughs> like with a cut to me being like, yeah, I remember. I won my fantasy league because of Priest Holmes that year. He was unstoppable. And I also remember the year that everyone drafted Priest Holmes. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to draft Larry Johnson in the ninth round. Way above anyone else. And if Priest Holmes gets hurt... I'm going to have the best player in fantasy. And I did. The end. Unfortunately, everyone knows these tricks now, and it's hard to be good at fantasy like it was back then. <laughs> that is very true. As we're talking about these backups today. I like. I actually, well, you should just run that clip in general. <laughs> what, great, mo- what, great fantasy players? <laughs> great, great, no, great moments in Pat's drafting history. Like, yeah. Like the year you won flex on the heels of James White and stuff like that. Yeah, I won it with James White and Antonio Brown. I will still remember fucking Michael Salfino standing behind me, mocking me for taking Antonio Brown. I just turned around like, hey, you're not even in this draft. What are you doing here, you weirdo? It's like, stop stop lurking behind me, you freak. And then Did did he tell you the lack of success of receivers that aren't 6'2 or something like that? Oh, yeah. And guess who the number one fucking receiver in fantasy was? Antonio Brown. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> derp <laughs> that fucking guy anyway jake i'll let you out of here all in kid on twitter at theathletic.com hit you back for receivers coming up soon 
Absolutely. I love it. You want to fuck around with projections, go to runthesims.com. Just put in an email. You can customize them. You can save them underneath your account. It's completely free to do. So I recommend that you do that. If you're looking for ADPs and you want to tinker around with backups or make your own projections and create your own rankings, it is by far the easiest way and the freest way to go do so. So runthesims.com. No promo code. Just go there and do it. It's really that easy. All right. I'm Pat Mayo. Smash the like on the way out. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.